0: You're listening to the Casting Shadows podcast, which is, of course, linked to the Casting Shadows blog and, less obviously, to the Casting Shadows YouTube channel, known affectionately and more successfully searched for as RuneSlinger. So all of those things are where I express my thoughts and try to interact with other people with thoughts about role-playing games. And if that sounds interesting to you, then, well, you might be in the right place, but only time and listening will tell. I think it's fair to say that the Casting Shadows podcast is regularly intermittent. And so it has been just shy of two months since the last recording, which was of course not my intention, but as we uh, gamers of a certain age are often experiencing. Sometimes life makes simple things challenging. So what have I been doing in the two months, or almost two months, since the last recording? Well, if you heard the last recording, you might know the answer to some of the things that I've been doing. But in this episode, we will talk about those things, the round table roulette episode from Third Floor Wars, talk about that a little bit. We'll talk more about the Alien campaign and what's happening with it. And we'll talk about two topics which are near and dear to my heart. One, which has recently uh, surfaced again on the Nerds RPG Variety Cast podcast, uh, hosted by Jason Connerly. That's the topic of immersion. And I'm going to talk about immersion as a topic, rather than talking about immersion as what it means to me. And the other topic is RPG a day. Seem too early? Well, it's not. I mentioned in the previous episode that I was looking forward to an opportunity, which at that time was just around the corner of Participating in the Roundtable Roulette series from Third Floor Wars. Hosted by Craig Shipman, the host and mastermind behind Third Floor Wars, Roundtable Roulette features three people, Craig and two others. And as the name suggests, we go around the table in one direction asking questions, and then we come back around in the other direction asking questions and follow-up questions on role-playing game-related Topics and each one, with its different mix of personalities, goes off into different areas. Not exactly a tangent, everything's very specifically focused on role-playing games and activities surrounding their their design or their implementation or or how they're played. In the episode that I appeared in, uh, the other guest, there's Craig as the host and myself, and there was Seth Skorkowski of Great internet and literary fame, and it was a lot of fun. It was very interesting, uh, having no idea uh, what the questions might be or where the tangents might go, what the follow-up questions might be, or or what the situation of broadcasting live might cause you to recognize that you were saying in the moment, like what you were remembering to say and what you were um, perhaps forgetting to say or wish that you had said later on. Uh, So that's an interesting experience always that that very live feeling. This is a blast. And what I didn't really expect was how quickly we settled into like an easy and enjoyable camaraderie. You know, um, living over here, I don't randomly bump into gamers that often. And not being, you know, overly into sports, or at least the kind of sports that I'm into, most other people aren't. Uh, so I don't often find myself in a social situation where I have a lot to talk about with strangers right other than you know where we live or uh, food options or things like that you know so nothing terribly interesting but this was interesting right out of the gate. So before the session started and after the session started we were you know swapping uh, game stories and game recommendations and and uh, just enjoying each other's company and it was a blast and I think, think that transfers through into the video. So if you haven't seen it, they are done for YouTube. It's not an audio format. So you can see uh, Seth Skorkowski and myself and Craig Shipman talking about games with a specific focus on game mastery. So I had a lot of fun. Uh, They threw me some curveball questions. I hope that mine were as interesting and satisfying for for Craig and Seth as theirs were for me. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Okay, the next topic. Oh, it's a little scarier. One of the major topics of this season of the podcast has been our exploration of running Alien, the role-playing game from Free League, as a campaign. And the way that... We have been working through balancing out differing desires for horror and action to suit the players in the game. So we have some players who really get into mechanisms of play which relate to the psychological, psychological condition of the character, and we have other players who, who really don't like that at all. We have some players who really enjoy playing through combats, especially highly detailed or tactical combats, and we have others who are less interested in that. So there's a specific mix, and Alien delivers a very specific punch of experience. So how do we balance that out? That has been one of the major topics uh, or major themes for this season of the podcast. For the last three months, we haven't been able to get together to play. We've tried. But at the last minute, uh, I've had to cancel, or people have you know, gone away with different responsibilities. So there are some breaks in play that we knew you know, weeks in advance uh, were going to be lost days, and then we had other experiences just hours short of playing that uh, led to disappointment. But uh, last week, we managed to get together to play, and m- tomorrow morning, my time, we'll be playing again. So this has brought us into what we're calling Mission 6. So we're running um, a mission-based format because it's Colonial Marines. And each mission has been intended, if possible, to, to be rather short and encompass just two sessions of play, so an A part and a B part. Some of them have gone a little longer. And sometimes we play through downtime between sessions, and sometimes we simply talk about downtime. These are different options presented in the game, and they have different mechanisms associated with them. So the previous session, or two sessions ago, uh, was a downtime session. That That was episode 6a, and it has some far-reaching consequences, but we haven't played for three months. So those consequences have been sitting with us for a while. So I've been really quite anxious to get back to it and, you know, trying to to find a time where we can all get together and play. And it turned out that when we played uh, the very next session, that... One of the players, Craig Shipman from Third Floor Wars, was unable to attend. So this created a situation where, um, what do we do? You know, one of those classic role-playing situations. Do we not play? Do we play and pilot the character as an NPC? Do we... Find a way to remove the character from the scene and, and that sort of stuff. But fortunately, this question was easy to answer because of the events of, of the beginning of of Mission 6, the downtime section. We'll talk about that a little later. But So it feels good to get back into play, but it also feels like the campaign is coming to a natural conclusion. And it's quite different from... What we expected, and so I think it's it's worth talking a little bit about uh, in this this episode of the podcast. So, what do I mean? Uh, Originally, when we looked at the system, just looking at the system and hearing people talk about other iterations of the Year Zero system, which uh, supports the game. It became quite obvious that the game was intended to be lethal and that this was a very good match for the subject matter, where we want an alien game to have lethality of violence, right? And different types of challenges like that. We want uh, space to be a hostile place. So we have discovered in play that the system is very lethal, but in our particular campaign, the dice have been somewhat kind. The players are well used to playing with each other. They're doing a good job playing their characters, but also playing the, the functional roles of colonial marines that they have taken on. And so what this means is that the characters, despite what seems like all the odds, the characters have survived. They've survived through a lot of sessions. They have survived through a lot of real-world time. Of course, a lot more real-world time has passed than uh, in-game time. But they've been through a lot, and the players have developed a certain kind of attachment to the characters, to the point where it feels like these characters, who initially we saw as our first picks among several that were generated for a troop of characters, have now become the protagonists. Right? And so if they are lost to the lethality of this system, it will definitely feel like the campaign is over. That if we were to continue with new characters, it would feel like starting a new campaign or feel like a a reboot or something like that. So because the characters are getting into more and more difficult situations as a result of what has happened in play, it's starting to feel more and more likely that at some point either they will overcome these challenges, find a way to escape permanently from these challenges, or they will be taken down by these challenges. Either of these situations will end the campaign. And that will be a natural and, I think, satisfying conclusion, regardless of which kind of major type of conclusion we find. And it feels like it's close. So this has sparked conversation about the system. You know, we we like it. We enjoy the characters. We uh, like aspects of it. Is this a game that will hold long-term enjoyment for us. Like it's quite successful uh, despite reports you might hear on the internet that it is a system that's better suited for the short-term cinematic mode that you know YouTube is full of examples of a lot of people are running the, the printed adventures and these are using the cinematic rules for Alien which are different from the campaign rules for Alien. We haven't seen quite as many groups tackle Uh, The Colonial Marines campaign, which uh, came out in the Colonial Marines sourcebook not too long ago. But playing the game long-term on a mechanical level, on a system level, is quite satisfying and easy. But for our group at this time is this where we want to devote our attention? Do we want to play another game of Alien? Do we want to get into a round-robin game of Alien? Do we want to try another year zero game like Twilight 2000 or Forgotten Realms, or not Forgotten Realms, but uh, Forbidden Lands or the like? Is this something that we want to do? And definitely um, we are divided on this issue, but I think most of us are experiencing a hankering for playing something else. We've got other ideas, we've been playing for quite a while now and and we have some creative people in the group we've got a whole host of game masters who are constantly being exposed to inspirational material and getting ideas of of doing X with Y or running this new game or running this old game or introducing these people in the group who haven't played that game. And, you know, so one of the things we're talking about a lot is Pendragon. We always end up talking about using Ubiquity, which is from, like, Hollow Earth Expedition and All for One and Desolation and Leagues of Adventure and, you know, those games, Space 1889. And, you know, we're just, you know, there's always an opportunity to use Mithras and, Etc., etc. We've got a lot of ideas for a lot of play. Do we want to dive back into Alien right away? Probably not. But I'm really glad that we played it. I'm really looking forward to playing it again. I'm really hoping that one or more members of the group will run it at some point, like we play something else as a palate cleanser and then jump back into Alien. With me as a player this time, I think that would be a lot of fun. So I've got. Really, nothing negative to say about Alien, the role-playing game. Uh, It's been really satisfying. I would like to play it with a group of people who are more interested in horror than action. Like, I might like to play it it on a uh, space trucking footing or on a colonist footing and have the environment stay the same for... for each session of play or for most sessions of play, but have the threats change, which would be kind of the opposite experience that we've had so far in the campaign where the the setting really is the marine squad and the environment is one of the threats that's thrown against them. So that's been a different kind of perspective. And one of the fun reasons to play science fiction is just how much things can change. Okay, so I think that's enough of a report about Alien right now. Currently, uh, we have a full playlist for Alien Actual Play. It has all of the Actual Play sessions, which uh, after uh, tomorrow morning's session, we'll have three episodes for, for Mission 6. And so that we go all the way from our Session 0 through a and B or sometimes C and sometimes a D I think sessions for you know missions one two three four and five uh, mission six is underway there's a lot of actual play the sessions run from 90 minutes to to two hours I think there's one or more one hour sessions in there as well so they're they're pretty quick uh, they're not edited for time but they are edited for information there are rules updates on the screen there are clarifications of things that the the players might know that a that a viewer who hasn't played the game might not, and, uh, and that sort of stuff. There are visual cues on the screen to help you out there. Also, that playlist contains uh, a, a quick guide to the rules and you know some unboxings and, and theories about the system and, and stuff like that. So if that sounds interesting, you can find that on the YouTube channel, and the link will be in the show notes. The next topic is, as you may know, pretty close to my heart, and that's RPG A Day. Specifically, RPG A Day for 2022. You might be thinking, wow, it's kind of early to be talking about RPG A Day. But, you know, behind the scenes, we are in the stage where it's necessary to be finalizing some ideas. It's necessary to be contacting artists and uh, doing polls about, are you interested in doing it again this year? That kind of stuff. So in order to have the questions ready for, for everybody for August, and particularly to have them available through July, so people like, well, most of the people I think who listen to this podcast are podcasters as well. So in order to have those questions available so that you can be prepared if you don't want to do it every day live, but would rather like to, you know, have a little buffer time. We need to get the questions ready sometime during this month so that they're available next month. Okay. Now, each year that I've been involved, we've had the talk. I think of it as the talk, and that's will we do it again? Now this will be the ninth year. That's kind of cool to think about. It won't be my ninth year, but it'll be the ninth year of RPG a day. So every year, David and I talk about it. Do we want to do it again? Do we want to do it the same way? Do we want to do it differently? If so, how differently? And that sort of stuff. And therein lies the rub, as I think anyone who participates publicly or or, uh, at least slightly publicly online can attest that can sometimes be a challenge. Um, we ask from the people who participate in RPG A Day, we ask that they are positive. I think it's a simple ask, right? If you're going to participate, do so in a positive way. Think charitably about the question or prompt. Think charitably about your fellow gamers. Think charitably about gaming in general and talk about it in a way that, you know, other people. Could find interesting that you know might serve as a lure for newcomers it might be you know revelatory or explanatory for someone who's got questions you know just share the stuff that you love about the hobby for rpg a day don't share the stuff that you don't like don't use it as a platform to critique or attack others don't use it as a you know 31-day opportunity to rant about how you don't like this or that or the other thing. And particularly, uh, please don't use it as a platform to pick on David and myself for decisions that we made, you know, in designing the contest. We're open to discussions about design, redesign, uh, or we're open to questions about what did you mean by this and all of this stuff. But... um, being ambushed by strangers online on a daily section through the entire month can get a little draining. And it can often, you know, go to bizarre lengths, right, Uh, of how upset people can get um, to the point of mentioning 31 times how they wish it had been a prompt, not a question, while someone else is mentioning 31 times that they wish it was a question, not a prompt. And, you know, that sort of stuff. We have in large numbers, people who want to complain that they don't play enough games to answer the questions. And we have people who want to complain that not enough games are represented by the questions. Um, You know, and you know, that can, that can sting if you have put in some effort to making the questions as open as possible. And with the faith and hope and charity and, and optimism that people will, you know, try to read those prompts or read those questions charitably and, you know, use their creativity and use their own interest to launch themselves into some kind of answer for that prompt. Now, it's not easy to get through all 31 days of RPG a day. And I myself have had my own bleak times, and the evidence are available on the YouTube channel. There's, there's one year where I run smack dab into the same problems as everybody else, so I feel it from both sides. But, uh... Yeah, so every year we have the discussion. Will we? <laughs> so I've already done a quick poll on the RPG A Day Facebook page. And if you don't know about the RPG A Day Facebook page, it's easy to find. It's, you know, Facebook slash RPG A Day. And we did a quick poll there, and there seems to be some interest among the people who, you know, actually get notifications from that page. So it's likely that we're going to go forward. And I'm in the final stages now of doing some drafts about some ideas I have for RPG A Day. We've done prompts for a number of years, and while this has been much more successful in helping the the event itself to spread to more countries, uh, because it's easier to translate in context, and because it's the broadest possible category of prompt type, for the broadest category of gamer who might be interested in participating to be, to interact with the prompt but we're feeling like it's time to return to questions so this is going to we understand we recognize is going to uh, disappoint the people who respond better to prompts you know such as artists or uh, sketchmakers or this sort of thing and you know but it's going to please those people for whom a simple and, and clear question or prompt uh, text-based prompt is uh, more effective in prompting their creativity. So, you know, the things have swung around in the, in the ninth year to where we're looking at that. I'm gonna keep it a little close to the vest about how exactly uh, I'm prepared to, to make some pitches to David about, about how we could do it to make it different and interesting and engaging in its own right and avoid the, the recycled question problem um, which, again, is another example of things that people complain about. You know, why didn't you ask this question again? I love answering that question, you know, and then met with, why did you ask this question again? I answered it last year. You know, So we can't please all of the people all the time. And uh, we need to find a balance for ourselves on what's an acceptable amount of flack we're willing to invite with the changes that we make and the changes that we decide not to make. So, RPG A Day does look like it's going to happen again. It's in the planning stages. I am quite excited about the ideas that I have for it this year, and the questions that are shaping up to make sense in the context of that format, but I'm not going to tell you about the format just yet. But if you have any questions or comments about RPG A Day, if you have anything to say about it at all, please feel free to call in. I will share uh, your comments. And uh, and we can go from there. But anyway, um, the Internet has a dual nature as a, a force for positivity and negativity. And, you know, sometimes the negativity can seem very frustrating, daunting, and disappointing and puts us in a position to say, you know, this is a lot of fun, but do we really want to expose ourselves to it again? So, uh, things to think about in... The coming weeks, as we get ready for August and RPG A Day 2022. The next of the two main topics that I wanted to talk about today, well, that's immersion. And immersion is one of those words. Uh, that people will argue about. And immersion is one of those, let's call them conditions or situations uh, of play, one of those responses to play, which some people swear by and some people will swear doesn't exist. And others will step in and say, yeah, well, you know, it might exist. Uh, It's not really worth thinking about because it's such an ephemeral condition. And what all of this... Uh, suggests to me is that the we recognize the term when we hear it without really having ever bothered to define it and while there has been a lot of digital ink uh, spilled on the topic of immersion uh, there are people who will spend most of their time arguing about the word choice even though we we can recognize it's fairly effective as we generally have an idea about why the person would use that descriptor. And if we check out things like uh, John Peterson's book, The Elusive Shift, we can see how early it became a term that people wanted to use, right? And one of the primary themes of The Elusive Shift is how gamer conversation, for one reason or another, has never really progressed beyond this point. I don't think that was an intentional theme on the part of the author, but it is one that he communicated really well. We are still having the same conversations in the same way, and each new wave of gamers that come into the hobby are having the same revelations that we did, and we had the same revelations that our predecessors did, because we're being exposed to the same kind of experiences, and we're fumbling toward the same kind of vocabulary. And while there are some among us who want to lay claim to the vocabulary, like, I invented the term, you know, this, that, or the other thing, it's highly unlikely to be true. <laughs> they, they may have been among the first to use it. Um, but clearly, as a large-scale group, gamers are not talking directly to each other in any meaningful way. <laughs> and we're overhearing snippets of each other's conversations, maybe, and borrowing words that we think we know what we mean in, and using them in our conversation where the people that we are now talking to think we know what we mean. And, you know, some of these words are successful and some of these words aren't. Some of them spark more arguments than others. So I think immersion is quite successful as a word. A similar word that is proposed is engagement, right? And you'll find people on the internet and out there, out in the real world, I guess, who would look at these two words as being two sides of the same coin, or being the exact same thing, or as being step one and step two. First there's engagement, then there can be immersion, there may be immersion, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So one of the One of the things that I'd like to contribute to this conversation, because this is a conversation I've been involved with for a very long time, and I would like to contribute the fear that we lose a term like immersion. And I've had it suggested to me several times that immersion is a stupid word because it means, you know, being underwater uh, as what it actually means. But that's kind of a, a losing argument with a living language like English, so we use immersion for a variety of contexts, including role playing games so I'm going to ask you a series of questions just to to serve as a framing device for your own thoughts about immersion and uh, so we can talk about it. Um, we can talk about talking about it so that maybe we can have a chance to further the conversation right. so we can see video game advertisements suggest that the gameplay is immersive. Well, what do they mean by that? Now think about your own play of video games, if you play video games. What do those games that cite themselves as being immersive, what do they mean by immersive? Don't try to, to define it. Don't try to defend your definition. Just start thinking about it when The ad copywriter chose the word immersive for the gameplay, what was meant, right? What elements of the gameplay suggested immersion to that writer, to that player of the game? Similarly, home theater ads, right? Immersive sound and picture. But we can also see it on advertisements for books, And I'm using advertisements specifically because there they're describing the media that is causing the reaction in us, right? The media of the video game. It's immersive. Okay. What do you mean by that? How does it immerse? Or what is that feeling of immersion caused by or supported by or facilitated by that media? What about home theater? What about a book is immersive, right? In what am i immersive what is that experience like then after you thought about that a little bit and you might not have any distinct or real responses and that's totally all right it's but asking the questions i think is helpful then we can start thinking about what do we think others mean by the term immersive for whatever they're talking about rpgs or not rpgs right what can be meant by the term immersion, right? Push ourselves to think from other people's perspective, right? What can be meant by the term immersion? What can be meant by the idea of engagement? How similar are these things? How connected are these things? Why would I choose one of those words over the other? right? Just ask the questions, start the process. How if at all does immersion relate to, engagement. I think some interesting thoughts can surface there. Maybe not clear thoughts. You know, I, I couldn't stand up and say, oh, I've got completely clear, solid, concrete answers to any of these questions. But when I put myself in a position to ask these questions of myself, I feel better about what I want to say about immersion as it relates to my own experience. Right? I can't speak to your experience, but I really want to hear you speak about your experience with immersion, because it seems very clear to me that we have the capacity to be interested in different things. There are those among us that we play with that are more interested in system and using and playing with the system than they are with other things that are involved. They care less about their character than using the mechanisms of play to facilitate their character doing something they're more interested in the actions and they they reach the actions through the system so that's the thing that they're interested in i'm not talking about immersion here or engagement really i'm just talking about their interest when they think about playing they think about using the mechanisms of play they think about using the dice as their first and primary point of interest of course they will have others right that may be as strong, but there are those among us who focus on system and there are those among us who focus on character and being able to interact in character and those who really care about the story. And those who care for those three things, not at all. They just care about being together in a group and just enjoying the enjoyment. Or they enjoy some other social function on the social level. They are there as the jester. Right. They are outside the rules and they are, you know, picking on the other players and keeping them from getting too serious about themselves and and stuff like that. Or, you know, you fill in the blank. These are your friends. You should know them. Right. So by this point, when we start thinking about what can immersion mean and in what are we immersing and is immersion a constant when I realize that i have been immersed have i always been immersed in the same thing and in the same way and for the same length of time and for the same reasons and was i brought out of that condition of immersion by something in particular all right and if if there are things that always impact our ability to have That experience, that immersive experience, regardless of what we immerse in or how deeply we feel we have immersed, whatever that might mean to us individually, right? Is if there is something which always impacts negatively or positively on that experience, is there something we can do to remove it if negative or enhance it if positive? And I think that is a useful discussion for a group to have. And I think talking about what we have discovered makes it easier to find other people out there who respond similarly. We already do this with types of games, right? We already have uh, heavy versus light mechanics as descriptors, right? Identifying how the system works and what we're interested in. So it's easier for people who like more complicated crunchier systems to band together and talk about systems that they enjoy. And we already have role-playing games versus, I shudder to use the term, story games and, and so on and so forth. We have all of these different labels and descriptors that some of us might like and some of us might not like, but they they help us find people with similar interests. So I haven't noticed that that particular conversation has been very successful or very widespread about immersion how much thought has anyone who's listening to this particular episode given to the quality of their immersive experience the frequency of their immersive experience potential triggers for the immersive experience potential barriers to an immersive experience right and you know if you have given thought to it and you can articulate it well why don't we start a discussion about it? And we can find areas of commonality and maybe that conversation might suggest a better term to us or it might um, make us want to double down on the use of the word immersion and find a way to add meaning to it, you know, add a new entry in the dictionary for for what it means to us that maybe could persist and be shared and be useful out there for other people or Maybe it will just languish with us, but still be useful for us. And, well, that's a step in the right direction, I think. As a tangent, as a related topic, one of the things that I've been doing in the last two months is conducting something which has got the awkward name of the GM Coaching Workshop Series I was asked by Craig Shipman of the Third Floor Wars podcast to watch one of his live plays at some point and give him some feedback. And that turned into a fairly lengthy series. It's not quite complete yet, as I've been going through each of the episodes that come out for him running a one-to-one Call of Cthulhu adventure called Mask of Desire. Mask of Desire which comes from the collection of, of short adventures called Does Love Forgive from Chaosium. And in that, the first, the first video in the series takes a look at a section of live play. It doesn't answer any questions. It simply poses questions, just like I've done here, right? There's no judgment here. There's no expectation that you're going to find the answer that I found and that I think my answer is the right answer. That's not what this is about. This is simply about, you know, asking, have you asked these questions? What questions do you ask yourselves? What kind of responses do you get when you start thinking along the lines of of questioning the nature of that experience, right? So in the GM Coaching Workshop series, we're talking not about an immersive experience per se, but some of the questions raised are specifically about what effect does it have when description in play is done this way, Is there another way to handle description? Is there another way to handle uh, informing the player about a character reaction, such as after a sanity roll or after a successful skill check or a failed skill check? Are there different ways? right? Not other better ways. Are there different ways to inform the player of something, to have that conversation or communication with the player about information? Are there different ways to do it? And if so... What are the advantages and disadvantages of those ways? Right? What are the actual effects of doing what you're doing now differently? And are there situations where you might want to try it this other way? There's you know, so I think the conversation on Nerds RPG variety cast is going exactly in this direction, although I, I can hear some from some frustration about um, about terms and how we don't all think about immersion the same way, right? We don't think about um, a variety of things in gaming the same way. And I think most of us, certainly most of us who bother to do podcasts recognize that it really is okay. In fact, it's kind of interesting that we do things in different ways. It's to our advantage, right? There'll be more development, more exciting gameplay. But at the same time, if we don't think charitably if we don't try to connect with each other and communicate about what it actually means to me to to be immersed or to be engaged or to prefer system or to interact with character or to uh, interact on a story level or interact on the player level if we if we aren't willing to find how to describe how play affects us, then we are, in effect, choosing to limit our capacity to find good playing partners and good combinations of partners and games. And we're missing out on opportunities to maximize our experience, maximize our our opportunities in the systems that we enjoy and answer some questions about why we just can't seem to enjoy playing game x with group y as much as we love those people it's just not as much fun well why is that or why is the tool use such as uh, jason's excellent example of the impact of the vtt on his sense of immersion right in specific conditions you know why is Why does that matter in this particular game, but is easily overlooked in some other game? You know, the answers lie in some of these, I think the answers lie in some of this form of self-reflection, but not so much in isolation, but exactly as this, you know, anchor podcast community can provide, you know, the action and interaction with other gamers about what it means to them. So this is my contribution, my small contribution And that's to ask some questions about immersion and what it means to you. You've been listening to another episode of the Casting Shadows podcast from Season (laughs) 3. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to read more or hear more of our thoughts on gaming, you can check CastingShadowsBlog.com or you can check YouTube.com slash RuinSlinger and you can find more. And hopefully, it will be to your liking. And if it is, let's talk about it. And if it isn't, well, let's talk about that too. Anyway, until the next time, take care.